Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of Jesus, our Savior, who promises to refresh you with living water. It was exactly four weeks ago I stood before you admitting that I, I had written a sermon on the wrong lessons, um, and thank goodness that Caleb uh, invited me to come back to actually deliver that sermon that I had written a number of months or weeks ago, uh, but I'll be honest with you, it's gone through some uh, changes since then, so uh, I'm happy to be back here with you. Uh, today we see something old and we see something new in our lessons for today. And it's more than just a, a reading from the Old Testament and a reading from the New Testament. Today we see something age old and we actually get to experience something brand new. You heard the texts read before you already from Exodus, the 17th chapter, from John chapter 4. Today I want to kind of explore how both of these passages are intertwined. You know, one of the key motifs in the entire Gospel of John is water. As you read through it, you see water referenced over and over again. And we know that water is life. For those of us living in California, the last few decades of drought has taught us that water is life. And over the last couple of weeks... We've seen an abundance of water, be it come in liquid or solid form, and we know that water is life. It's life in the middle of the desert, in the heat of the day, and it's life every day. We cannot go without water. Now, both in our Old Testament lesson from Exodus 17, in the desert of sin, no pun intended, and on the sands of Samaria, in our gospel lesson from John chapter 4, we find people who thirst and people who believe that they are stranded and trapped. The Hebrews sought drink because they were physically parched. The Samaritan woman headed to the well because it was her chore, not realizing that she too is parched and wilting on the inside. And in both cases, they're met with exactly what they need. Exodus chapter 17 in the old, God poured out on his parched people water from a rock and it keeps them alive. And in the new, Jesus traveling through a foreign land poured out on the woman at the well the living drink that brings eternal life. The Hebrews are parched in the desert, and they begin to doubt what God had said. <sighs> Where is that land flowing with milk and honey? It would be better if we just went back to Egypt. Why did you bring us out here to die? Now, the Samaritan woman, on the other hand, disregards what God has said. You say that the best place to meet with God and to worship is in Jerusalem. But our people say this mountain is better. Both of these people are, are looking for a detour. The first pilgrims want to return to slavery in Egypt. The woman wants to distract the Lord because she has returned to the jail of juggling men. Her lifestyle itself, a prison. Are you thirsty? Not just physically, but are you thirsty today? Do you find yourself 
living in a barren wasteland, devoid of life, filled with sin in that literal desert of sin. Like those of old, you come to this place seeking sustenance for your soul. Now perhaps you try to take care of it yourself. Like those of old, you desire a detour of your own making, a distraction from what you know is the truth, a return to old habits and old comforts. By your own actions, you find yourself withering away because of guilt or guile, or you find yourself a slave to sensuality, cynicism, or success. Many are slaves to sensuality. Even though in our free land we can put up a billboard on the side of the freeway advertising a convention for it, it doesn't mean that it can't cost you your freedom. Just look at the woman at the well. Or perhaps it's slavery to cynicism. Even though we enjoy watching comedians like Jerry Seinfeld become a master of it, it doesn't mean that it can't master you or your opinions your views, your reactions. You just need to watch Fox News or CNN to see the truth. It could be a slavery to success. Even though the boss will encourage it, the bottom line will enjoy it, the shareholders will demand it, it doesn't mean that you can't be enslaved by it. Just look in the mirror. Like those of old and those of new You are living a lie, and you are desperate, you are parched, you are in need of life. Each one of us has our own prison cell, the fetters of fear or the future, the prison bars you return to, the bonds of bigotry, bellyaching, or blabbering about ourselves. Friends, you are bound by the desires to take your own detours to find your own ways, and in the end you are lost, mired in sin, and held captive. And such fetters are loosed only by God in Christ for you. He alone is the master escape artist, able himself to burst out of the prison and the prison of death for you. Now in the old, God instructs Moses to strike the rock, and water flows out, and all have their thirst quenched. But it is only for a time, for they will get thirsty again. But in the new, Jesus will provide living water. He does so for the woman, and this is not simply for a moment, but for a lifetime, covering and quenching all that needs. Soon it will be time for God to do something completely new. Previously, he instructed Moses to do the striking. This time, God himself will strike the rock, Jesus Christ. It may be the hands of the temple guard striking across the rock's face. It might be the strikes of the hammer by Pilate's men pinning the rock to a tree. But make no mistake about it. The stroke which lands the hardest is that of the Father. Hear the words of the hymn, Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted. Tell me all who hear him groaning, was there ever grief like this? Friends, though through fear has caused disowning, foes insulting his distress. 
Many hands were raised to wound him. None would intervene to save. But the deepest stroke that pierced him was the stroke that justice gave. No sooner had the blow landed when living water flows. A few chapters later in the Gospel of John, we will see the Lord's side pierced and water and blood flow out. And in that living water, never will they thirst again. Three days later, as the living Lord Jesus himself rose from the dead, all that stands between you and God is washed away. All that holds you in your prison, be it slavery to sensuality, cynicism, or success, has been washed away and swept out into a sea of grace. He has come to set you free. And the tool of his craft, time and time again, is water. Living water. For Jesus Christ, the rock, is the source of that living water. That living water that flowed over your head in baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The rock, the living water, is the source that comes to refresh you in bread and in wine as He feeds you with His very body and blood here this morning. And that same living water is the source of the words that are poured out upon you today. You are forgiven and free on account of Christ. Yes, water is life. His living water is life. And it is here where we are saturated with living water that you might be liberated from all that holds you captive, sin, Satan, and self alike. In the days of old and in the new day, God fills you with living water so that you might have life. And just on occasion, He might spill you onto your neighbor, living in this thirsty world, and in so doing, Christ comes to them as well. Water is life. And in this place, you have life. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord now and forever. Amen.